Welcome to the Alaskan Journey Podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm an associate real estate broker in the state of Alaska, and my mission is to help you to build an intentional and significant legacy for yourself and your family by coaching in real estate. And the purpose of this podcast is to really kind of show what Alaska's like from the people who actually live here. So it's not just me talking about it, it's also people who actually live here. And today we're very lucky to be joined by Nicole and Jason. They uh, moved up here a couple years ago and um, kind of the Anchorage area and they've kind of been regulars at the at our monthly meetups and uh, they've definitely been getting out and kind of enjoying Alaska the past couple of years so we're very lucky to be joined by Nicole and Jason so guys thanks for joining us hello <laughs> hello all right so let's go ahead and just jump into this shall we um, where where were you guys when you were thinking about moving here and what got you thinking about moving to Alaska we lived in Riverside, California, so just about an hour outside of L.A. in the Inland Empire. Uh, born and raised there. He's been there since he was three. Mm-hmm. And we just decided we wanted to leave California at some point in our lives. And Alaska and the Pacific Northwest was on our list, and we ended up in Alaska. It's like, had you guys ever visited Alaska before? Yes. 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 Okay. A few times. That's yeah. that's good. Like, which you kind of just get like the the grand tour around, or yeah, uh, we came up for our one year wedding anniversary back in '06, and we stayed in Moose Pass, and we fell in love with it, and we were like, ah, maybe one day we'll move up here, and then uh, that trip was just based around Seward and the Kenai Peninsula, and then we came back a few years later and did Talkeetna, Willow, Wasilla, and. That was all we had done, and then until we moved up here, or came up here in 2021 to look for our condo. Gotcha. And so, oh, and I did a cruise with my family back in the early 2000s. So, yeah. so they they got to see the inside pass yeah. as the cruise goes, but you know, as you know, you you're not seeing all of Alaska or what it has to offer. Right. Yeah. Uh, on that cruise, I think is where she really kind yeah. of fell in love with the idea of seeing Alaska. Uh, we had just started dating at that time, so we hadn't uh, uh, really taken many out-of-state trips or anything at that point. But uh, you know, coming up here for our one-year anniversary was definitely an eye-opener um, in a whole different light of what Alaska had to offer. Um, really enjoyed that trip, and uh, we're not uh, really the cruise type. Um, we no. much rather uh, hit the ground running and you know rent a car and be on our own time and our own scale and be able to see the things that we want to see and in the time frame that we want to and uh from that it 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 spawned this uh enjoyment of uh kind of a different life a different uh surrounding uh than what you know the concrete jungle of southern california really has to offer from where we were coming from right right so as far as kind of the offerings that alaska had to offer like what were some of the big things that really stood out to you guys I think for her it was probably the hiking and scenery. The uh, I did a lot of that. I did a lot of that in Southern California, uh, hiking and whatnot. And I love the mountains. Mm -hmm. Um, So we knew we wanted to live somewhere with mountains. And then I've just always had a fascination with Alaska. I don't know why. Just teenage years. I don't know. I liked it. Pictures. I don't know. You know. And uh, uh, that kind of brought us up here and. You know, just... A little bit later in life, I uh, 
got my private pilot's license, oh, yeah. and a big part of moving up here is to fly in scenery uh, that you just don't get anywhere else in the world as far as I'm concerned. Um, and that kind of spawned to moving to Anchorage in particular. Um, uh, as uh, Ted Stevens' Lake Hood area goes, you know, Lake Hood is the largest and busiest seaplane base in the world. And if you're an aspiring pilot, you know, it's uh, the, the joke I always like to make is, you know, you want to want to be an actor, you wait tables in Hollywood. You want to be a pilot, you move to Anchorage. You know, you surround yourself with the people that do it every day. You make friends, you get into those groups. Um, and uh, to be fair, coming up here, I was really awe-inspired by all of the air activity uh, that takes place just on a daily basis and the uh, freedom of being able to enjoy it. Uh, obviously, with such a wide open space, there's not a lot of uh, airspace that you can't go in. Um, you can literally do just about anything you want with an airplane up here, whether that be on skis or floats or wheels on dirt strips in bush country. Um, you know, for the most part, I got really tired of flying in Southern California where, um, you know, if I had to make some sort of a impromptu landing somewhere, I was fighting traffic on a highway as opposed to finding a nice dirt strip that might be uh, right out my, my window, so to speak. Yeah. So, and fighting off a bear. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a little bit of that too, right? Fortunately, we haven't had any of those encounters no. yet, no. and hopefully we never do. Yeah. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's something that I've definitely have come to appreciate a lot more, just the um, kind of the aviation culture that there is up here. Um, everyone, either they're either a pilot or they know someone who is. Or yeah. have a family member that's been doing it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess off the top of my head, I think for like three or four. Mm-hmm. Yeah pilot so it's like why am i driving anywhere yeah right (laughs) there is a lot of that i actually know somebody that commutes from uh homer uh every day um he gets in his plane in in homer and flies a hundred and god what is that that's probably as the crow flies i bet you it's close to 125 150 miles and lands at lake hood on the dirt strip every day and commutes home and i asked him what he does when the weather's really really bad and he says there's three hotels right there so you know, he usually just gets a room for the night. And fortunately, uh, he's in a position where he can do that. And his family's lived up here most of their lives. And so uh, it's not uncommon to get that phone call, I guess, as a spouse or whatnot and say, hey, you know what? The winds are a little tough today and, you know, visibility is not so great. So I think I'm going to stay here tonight. And that's the safest bet. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Homer is like a four or five hour drive from Anchorage for Easily. those of you who yeah, aren't yeah. aware. So if you can just do a plane ride get there hour hour and a half hour 15 hour easy 15. and that's with a pretty yeah. slow one yeah. yeah like that's that's a game changer opens up the entire state literally yeah um for a little bit i was actually contemplating the idea of getting my license and then getting a plane and mm-hmm. then being able to like work real estate like oh wow everywhere throughout the state but i'd have to sell minimum 38 houses a year with that oh. model and that's like i yeah, hmm. You're not, <laughs> you could always go on uh, just well 34 additional houses yeah. in those areas um and they, you don't necessarily have to own a plane to have that kind of a lifestyle you can uh rent as easy as renting a car as long as you do the checkout which is basically like uh you know you go up for about half an hour to an hour with a with an instructor and they make sure you can do everything and you go in and you rent one i go on a schedule and, and rent an aircraft just as easy probably easier than getting a plane ticket 
Um, and it does have, offer that kind of freedom, and most flight schools have that uh, ability, and you uh, easily join their schedule. And, um, you know, if the plane I like to fly is busy, there's five more available at a certain time frame. Overnights are fine. Yeah. All right, so I will keep that on the table yeah. there. <laughs> it's a good thing. So if you guys hadn't have settled on Anchorage, like what other area do you think you would have ended up gravitating towards? It's, it's hard to say right now because we were really gravitating towards Washington and the Pacific Northwest. And then after COVID and everything, uh, they were just as strict on the lockdowns as California was. And that took it off the list for us. And we didn't have... We like Texas to vacation, but Texas has no mountains. Yeah. So Texas was off the list for me for that. We did not have any desire to go to the East Coast. Um, maybe Utah. We actually thought Colorado. if we didn't move, mm. we were going to maybe get into trucking and just not have a home base for a while. Because we have an RV at my parents' house in Nevada. So we would have just left that there and you know, traveled the country that way. But then Alaska came back on the radar. He really wanted to get back into flying. Mm -hmm. I always had said, I want to live there at some point before I die, whether it's for a season, a couple years, or 20 years. And that's kind of what put Alaska back on the list. I've always watched the real estate up here over like the oh, last yeah. 10 years. And so I'm always seeing stuff, and I saw a real cheapy condo, and I was like, wow, <laughs> that looks perfect for what we're talking about like doing. A great and way to get your foot in the door in the real estate market. Yeah. Just, just getting, yeah, like you said, just establish the beachhead, and then it's easy enough to yeah. move out from there. Well, especially but, not living here, knowing people from here. We weren't sure what part we wanted to live in, and we found the amenities of living uh, in Anchorage, at least where we are, I mean, we're in, you know, the city suburb area, but it's really, it doesn't feel that way. You know, the largest dog park, I think, in North America is a five-minute walk from our yeah. front door. Really? Uh, Connors Bog <laughs> Dog Park. Um, huh. It's, uh, gosh, I think the road that bisects it at a diagonal is two miles. A mile. Yeah. mile. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Okay. A mile, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you look at it on a map compared with the dog park that was outside of our place in Southern California, yeah. which was maybe 300 yards in either direction, um, that really opened us up as dog people as well, right? You know, having the ability to take our dog. And it doesn't feel like a dog park. I mean, we see wildlife in there all the time. Uh, there was an eagle uh, hunting on the ice the other night trying to pull fish up through a melt hole. Uh, we've seen tons of moose. Uh, we've made a lot of friends there. Our dog has made a lot of friends there. You know, they run up and sniff each other and realize, you know, that they can go run around. And, you know, it's really a, a, a really fascinating to us to experience that kind of a lifestyle up here in comparison with what we're coming from in Southern California, yeah. which it's just the opposite, you know, leash laws and, I, you know, there's leash laws here too, but having a place where your dog can actually explore like that rather than it just be on a muddy brown grass that's not maintained because the dogs are constantly chewing it. Up here they run in the woods and, you know, they get to sniff and, and you know, pick berries. Mm -hmm. Our dog loves to eat the berries when the berries are in season growing there. Right. Um, it, it's fascinating to me. The 
I followed areas in real estate up here. I followed in Homer and then Talkeetna and whatnot. And I always watched areas there over Anchorage, like when it was 10 years ago when I was looking at stuff. And when push came to shove and we were seriously considering moving up here, uh, coming up from Southern California and having all the amenities at you 24 hours a day, uh, we kind of realized we need to be practical about this and not romantic about it. And, you know, Homer's five hours from Anchorage. It's five hours from Costco. It's only 6,000 people, you know, which for some people that might be a lot, but from where we're coming from, it's not. And so Anchorage worked out for us for jobs. We, I love it. I, to me, Anchorage reminds me kind of of where we're from, but like 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like we're, we get the big city and we get the amenities of the big city, but it doesn't feel like a big city. And so that's what brought us actually to Anchorage when it was time to finally purchase something. It was, you know, the cabin in the woods sounds great, but like we're not going to do that. Yeah, that's uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. There were a lot of people who really like kind of that romantic idea of off grid living Mm -hmm. in the woods but if you're coming from like a big city and you don't really have a frame of reference Mm -hmm. as to what that's actually going to look like yeah huge change it's a huge change like it's probably going to freak you out probably yeah Yeah. the first winter hits yeah definitely the first for sure (laughs) and then with anchorage we also like that we didn't have to commute uh you know i mean coming from california we commuted all the time but you're commuting in like gorgeous weather Whereas up here, you know, you get a nasty snowstorm, the highway shut down for a while, and we just did not want to deal with any of that. Right. And I I see, I'm on all the, like, the highway Facebook groups and stuff where they post what's going on, and it's like, oh, roads are icy, someone's in a ditch, Mm -hmm. you know, and because we're in the city, we do not deal with that when it's bad out. And if it's bad weather, we just don't drive to the valley that day, or we don't drive to Kenai that day. But if you work in the valley and you have to commute to Anchorage, like you gotta drive to work, you know? Right. I was very fortunate to find a job literally uh, a half mile from from our office, uh, from our house, house, um, uh, which is the Alaska Commercial Company. Um, And working there, uh, you know, we're we're not experiencing any of those same pitfalls that a lot of people that have to commute from the valley to Anchorage have to do in bad storms or bad weather. and really where we're situated in Anchorage, I mean, it's the, yeah, I'd like to joke that it's the biggest little city that there is, mm-hmm. right? We've all heard that term. And it literally is. It's 250, 300,000 mm-hmm. people in the city of Anchorage. Um, we used to drive, I, it used to, I used to commute 25 miles and it would take me an hour and a half in the morning and an hour and a half in the evening because of the Southern California hustle and bustle of traffic. Mm-hmm. And up here, um, obviously that commute has changed, but you know, if we wanted to go into town, like a downtown area like Los Angeles, I mean, we were planning a two-and-a-half two to three-hour drive. drive. And depending on what you were going to do, you know, you're leaving work early. You're, you know, having to start your day so much earlier. Um, I had some clients that were in the Los Angeles area, and I would literally leave three hours ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And there were days that I'd get there right on time, or I would get there with a half an hour to spare because there wasn't any accidents, mm-hmm. you know, that were shutting down lanes and whatnot. And fortunately for us in Anchorage, we still get that uh, effect and appeal. Uh, the but downtown area is 10 minutes down the road, and I think we go through four stoplights to yeah. get there, which is just phenomenal. And that's the downtown area with all the 
the amenities that you would think of uh, in like a downtown Los Angeles, just on a much more smaller scale, restaurants, nightlife, the shows, mm-hmm. uh, theaters and pavilions. Yeah. Kind of the, yeah, kind of the, the smaller size, but also way less variables of like things that can derail your entire oh, day. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. We yeah. love going downtown. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of people we talk to up here, they yeah. don't like going downtown and yeah. they call it Los Anchorage yeah. and all of yeah. that. And there was a girl at work and she was like, oh, I hate going downtown. It's so busy. And I love going downtown because <laughs> right. I'm like, it's not busy like at all, not compared to what we're coming from. So it's all about perspective of, you know, where you're moving from and whatnot. But for us, we love it. I mean, I mm-hmm. just went to a... Uh, uh, the Candlelight. The Four String Quartet concert mm-hmm. this oh, weekend. Really? And it was so lovely. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And we went to dinner. He's not really into that. So we went to dinner first. Mm-hmm. He dropped me off and went home. And then he picked me up because it's only a 10-minute drive. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do that in Southern California. Yeah. Like, he's uh-huh. not going to drop me off in L.A. and then pick me up two hours later. You no, know what I mean? She's staying the night and I'll see you yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> you know, so... so that aspect we love. Yeah. We we absolutely love that so far about the city. Yeah. And I know people complain with the homeless and we do see some of it and I read about it and it's not ideal. But again, it's nowhere. it's nowhere close to Southern California. It's nowhere close to what was going on in the Pacific Northwest, which was the other place we were considering. Correct. And it's just on such a smaller scale up here. So yeah. it just doesn't bother us nearly yeah. as much as I think it bothers the locals where they're not used to that. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. It really comes down to what it is that you're used to. Yeah. And that's that's part of like fair housing where people try to corner me all the time. They're like, well, where are the good places to live? It's like, I can't really. I can't answer that question yeah. because, you know, you decide what area yeah. is good for you. I can't push yeah. you in right. one direction or the other. Yeah. Right, right. You can't decide for you, like, what's a good area for yeah. you. Like, right. All sorts of problems there. But, you know, I tell people, you know, go check out the crime map, get comfortable with the yes. area, but then also check the crime map where you're currently living. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Exactly. Look at the differences. Yeah. And right. go, okay, well, you know, a lot of people will look at the crime map for certain parts of Alaska and you know, they're like, oh, my gosh, why would anyone live there? And then they look where they are living. They're like, oh, my God, why am I living yeah. here? Why am I living yeah. here? Exactly. <laughs> and, and you also got to think about the population per capita, too. You know, like, I don't know the numbers, so I don't want to quote them. But, you know, if there's, uh, you know, 10 robberies, you know, here in Anchorage last month, um, you know, you got to remember that, like, where we were coming from, you know, there was 12 million people, so there was probably three or 400 robberies last month. Yeah. Um, and so you do have the same issues, but it's a much smaller town. Uh, I've noticed up here that the police presence is, seems to be a lot stronger, but I think part of that is also the illusion that the town is more wide open and more close-knit. So when there are these things, you see them more often, and that to me is uh, much better of a deterrent. I mean, there were a couple times in Southern California, not for any real, real great emergencies, but you know, the neighbor's garage gets broken into, and you call the police, and you want them to come out and file a report, and oftentimes you would get the, well, is anybody injured? No. All right, well, we'll get there when we can. And you were lucky if somebody called you back three days later and never sent an officer out to the really investigating anything and it's like who are you going to catch at that point you know like there's nothing left 
That's that's kind of the setting where you start getting vigilante yeah. justice at and that you, point. Like, that's one thing we haven't seen up here is the road rage aspect that everybody talks oh no, about that's persistent in the nice. lower 48. I had a lady honking at me, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, did I cut her off? Did I cut her off? And she pulls up next to me at a stoplight, and she's like, your fuel door is open. She's honking and waving and yeah. flashing her brights. And I, I'm like, she's getting ready to scream at me. I don't even know what I did. And sure enough, she just wanted to let me know I left my fuel door open when I left Costco. You know, and I was so taken aback by that. You know, I hate to say it, but jaded by where we came from. So, you He's know, I had my, had, my ha- had my hand on the mag light. And, you know, I don't know what's happening here. And, um, you know, it, turn, it turns out she was just, uh, you know, overly excited to let me know that my fuel door was open and I, I you know came up as almost in shock you know compared to what you normally see or what you read about in the paper and every city's going to have its problems but I few and far between in comparison with uh, anywhere I visited in the lower 48. I will say one thing that is different because uh what is it? Constitutional carry up here. Oh, I don't know yes. the exact name of it for guns. Yep. So more Open people carry. have guns. So there is like people had guns, obviously in California too, but a lot of it was like gang related crime, you know, oh. but like up here, like, no, somebody could pull a gun on you because they'll actually have one on them. Whereas down in California, yeah. most people don't have guns. Correct. On them. Yeah. So that I would say I do notice is a little different is more, when I read the paper up here, I see more of stuff like that. So-and-so pulled a gun on me or, you know, that type of a thing. And you just didn't hear that as much, I don't think. Well, or maybe we didn't hear about it because it was so much bigger. But in that sense, I do. I'm like, you got to be careful at night because the person might actually have a gun, whereas chances are in California they probably didn't have in, a gun. In, in that respect, though, I think, uh, not to trump your point, but, um, yeah, you do hear about that. And maybe we didn't hear about it as often about somebody pulling a gun, but we heard a lot more about home invasion robberies. We heard a lot more about road rage shootings or random shootings on the freeways or drive-bys because of gang activity. Um, That's something you don't hear about up here. And my take on that is is that it's probably a lot less likely to happen because the guy who's thinking about pulling his gun is probably thinking that in an open carry state, that guy might have one too. And maybe I don't want to get in a shootout over uh, my dog barking. You know, whatever it might be. Um, And in some ways, I feel like that's a better protection, having more of the general public, from my own personal standpoint, having more of the general public have that frame of mind because I think you're less likely to fly off the handle and pick a fight with somebody if you think that they could be caring and maybe would self-defend themselves in some way. And is it really worth the argument or dying over, you know, because of something so simple? We're in Southern California. It's just like what what she had said. You have the ones that are quick to pull it because you're probably not carrying one, and that means they have the upper hand. Um, You just don't get that up here. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the real actual stats Mm -hmm. are. Oh, yeah. For, like, how many, you know, how many carry, because I want to say it's pretty high. You get, like, a large group of people, you just assume yeah someone's packing yeah <laughs> i mean you you yes. see people carrying guns at the dog park yeah you know what i mean you just didn't see that down south you know what i'm yeah. saying and you just see it and it's just like oh cool. yeah yeah it's, it's not a big it's deal. not a big deal <laughs> it's, it's just, just like somebody pulling um, out their cell phone now and i don't mean to make it sound like they're pulling out their gun but seeing a holster <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right but seeing a holster air. on their hip 
Um, in some ways, I feel a lot safer. Uh, I, it, maybe that's a little crazy or crazy sounding to those that um, that aren't used to that, right? But it'd be the same thing in Texas. It's the same thing yeah. in a lot of open carry states. California has some really odd gun laws that actually prevent the citizens from defending themselves um, and obtaining those kind of things to make a defense mechanism. Up here, it's you get so used to it. And speaking of the dog park, it's an open environment. There's a lot of wildlife. I don't go to the dog park unless I'm armed um, for a number of reasons. Um, mainly that if I had to use it in self-defense of a wild animal that might charge, mm-hmm. um, you can fire that thing into a snowbank or the dirt. You don't have to hit the target. Um, a lot of people would say that you might get a ricochet. Shoot it into the water. There's water everywhere up here. There's a lake in everybody's front yard up here or a pond. Um and that's definitely going to scare off something that might be charging at you, such as a moose, which a lot of people do talk about. I've never been charged by one, um, but I would think I'd, you don't want to turn your back to it, and you definitely don't want to run away and not see what's happening. You definitely don't want to stand in front of it, so what's your alternative? Spook it. Do something that's going to do that, nothing better than a gunshot. And I know that that sounds crazy. Um, I probably wouldn't have said that uh, you know, five years ago, but... Um, it's just a way of life up here. It's it's a little bit different um, on the safety side of things. I, I really do think that. Outstanding. So for you guys, it was kind of a slow roll <laughs> for you guys for moving up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so what were some of the challenges that you guys ran into as you were making that transition, oh. though? So we bought the condo in 2021 in August. He still had to clear up some work stuff. Mm -hmm. We had sold our house about a month before we closed on the condo up here. And we lived in our motorhome for 11 months before we made the trek up here. I like to think about it a little different. We vacationed in our motorhome. It was was really fun living in the motorhome. I did enjoy it. We stayed in different spots. We stayed in places that we had always talked about living, but didn't really have the opportunity because we weren't going to buy real estate, but we would visit these places all the time. But at at that point, uh, the COVID restrictions were still in place in Canada. So you had to drive through the country within four or five days. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't, we didn't sightsee in Canada at all. However, in Canada's defense, I guess, uh, at that point, after being in the motorhome and having taken almost a year to move up here, we were ready to get here. So it was just, I don't we even were feel okay like with stopping. A, Let's just go. Yeah. We just wanted to get up here, get into our, the condo. And uh, we went through the Alberta crossing in mm-hmm. Montana. Montana Coots, I think is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, we did not have any problems. Um, but yeah, we, we had to show them all of our paperwork and information. And then I think three or four months later, they dropped all those restrictions and now anybody can go through. Yeah. So that... Uh, some of our friends that were going to move up here actually got... Uh, they got turned they, away. They actually call it deportation. Um, they never actually got into Canada, but once you actually cross the painted line they consider you inside of their country, even if it's a neutral zone, so to speak. And there is a bit of a neutral zone at any border. Um, but they actually got deported. They had all their stuff in their travel trailer. And uh, at the time, the they chose to come through Washington. Uh, we had done our research, and not to harp mm-hmm. on the COVID aspect, because it really doesn't matter much now. 
uh, we did our research and chose to go through the Montana crossing mm-hmm. because we heard that the Alberta province on the other side of Montana is kind of like the Texas of Canada. They didn't really care. Come one, come all. Yeah. They weren't real strict. They didn't. They asked us questions like anybody would mm-hmm. if you're entering a country. But they weren't. I never once got the feeling that we weren't going to be able to go through. No. Our friends, however, went through the busiest port at the worst time possible in Washington and literally came on the first day. And they were told that, um, uh, literally the wording was that they were told that they didn't believe them that they were moving there. And he said, look at all, my entire life is in my trailer right now. We're literally moving to Alaska. And they said, we think you're vacationing. You've been deported. Rent a place. Show us that you have rent. Well, how am I going to do that overnight? So they did. They scoured the internet. They called us. They ended up staying down there for about a week. Um, My wife was fortunate uh, enough to have the time to go out and send them videos of the inside of places until they actually, it was maybe three, picked one and called and set up the whole thing overnight. We faxed them the paperwork or emailed the paperwork. Because fax, boy, that dated me. Um, Emailed them the paperwork. And uh, they went back to the border and showed that they had proof that they had residency in Alaska, which was one of the requirements. And they still got turned around. And I don't remember what the third thing was that they had to show. I think they had to go to the doctor and show that they had either had their shots or had a clean bill of health. It wasn't that. that. Um, But it was something along that line. Eventually, they got through and they ended. Well, the third time they didn't. They actually had to delay their move here by a year. Um, they had moved out of where they were in Southern California. And so they went back to Nebraska, which is his home state and saw family and, you know, stayed with family or in the company of family and then uh, chose to come up here at, uh, after the restrictions were basically lifted and they would have no trouble. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Canada is, you know, sovereign country, do whatever they want, but I've always been like. What do I stand to gain by yeah, right? <laughs> trying to mess with Canada right. across your border? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So our yeah. attitude was just whatever their rules are, we're following them. We bought a condo. We need to get yeah. there. Don't make it <laughs> like, seem like you're arguing with them. We this... want to get to our home. <laughs> like, no, that's you know? pretty much what it was. Because if we had to detour and do the ferry or what, I mean, that just would have made it that much more yeah. expensive to get up here. So, Exponentially. Yes. Yeah. yes. And, and actually in regards to, to the overall moving up here, I mean, we... It was easy. We didn't... Well, we got rid of... Almost everything. I'd say 80% of what we yeah. owned to make it as easy as possible. We knew that we were transitioning out of a much larger house into the condo that we decided to set our foot in. Um, So we wouldn't have had room for everything anyway. That made the move up here very easy. I will say that the, um, uh, we we drove one car with a trailer Mm -hmm. filled with our possessions um, and we shipped another car up, Mm -hmm. which went seamlessly. The car made it here before we did. And we didn't take a hellishly long time, as she mentioned. No. Um, one of the things that I would encourage everybody to do, even if they're not going to take the uh, the road that, you know, a lot of people want to ship their stuff and fly or, uh, you know, take the shortest drive. I encourage everybody, even people that live in Alaska that I talk to, that one of the best things they could probably do is drive the Alcan Highway. Can it be dangerous at certain times of the year when we came through I saw more wildlife on that trip 
um, than I think I've seen in any zoo my entire life. We saw anything from porcupine to caribou to buffalo to bear. Um, yeah. And it's just out there in the wild. And it can be rough for people, but we didn't run into any of the things that everybody warns about. You know, they say bring the two extra flat tires because you're going to be 200 miles from anything. We got to every gas station, no problem. Places were open, inviting you in. Yeah. Um, we never once had to touch our spare tire. It, you know, these aren't... We didn't even crack a windshield. Yeah, we didn't even crack a windshield. We're, tra- we're talking about the same Alcan, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and found, we got that from a lot of people. I found it... Um, we've always enjoyed road trips, so we don't yeah, mind we doing like 10, 12-hour driving days or anything like that. Yeah. But um, we love driving. So, but... In the preparation for it, it seemed a little intimidating. And I have an older Jeep that's like 20 years old. It's got 230,000 miles on it. And we were like, and do we drive it? Do we not? And we had a mechanic look at it all and, you know, get it sound. And we just decided, no, let's ship it. And honestly, in hindsight, it would have been fine. And But we were a little paranoid because of what they people to talk about and it would have been fine it was fine shipping it too because it was just easy to not be driving two different cars but um like to and the ship, cost really wasn't bad to do it either in well to ship the jeep just for anybody who we shipped it from nevada they picked it up from my parents house um they drive it to washington and barge it up uh, that was in a trailer they don't right. physically drive your vehicle they loaded it on oh, a trailer well, in yeah. nevada and then put it on a barge. Um, that was $4,000 to ship the Jeep up. So it's not the cheapest From Nevada, thing. Though, it's, yeah. It's doing pretty When good. you yeah. think about what it would have cost in fuel mileage, and then at that point you're probably, you know, it, it, you have the cumbersomeness of actually driving two different vehicles. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have a vehicle that could tow the other vehicle at that time. Yeah. Um, so... To me, it was almost like a break even in what it would have cost driving two vehicles up with the fuel. You have more of the issues of what if you do get a flat on one. It's not like I'm going to be like, all right, honey, see you tomorrow. I'm going to keep trucking along here. You know, you're now stuck with that even if the vehicle you're driving Mm -hmm. doesn't have that issue. Um, And it also allowed us to things that we couldn't fit in the U-Haul trailer that, you know, as you're packing anything up, you, you know, you take a good yeah, view of did. what you have and you're like i can get it all in there i'm i'm good at this and you know inevitably we were stuck with uh, i don't tight. know three or four uh of the uh i'll say costco black tubs with yeah. the yellow lid on them i mean everybody in the world knows what those are if they're within range of a costco and um we put those in the vehicle and that just shipped up as part of another yeah. part so it even cut back i don't want to say cut back on the moving expense but it wasn't something we had to go and ship on Alaska Airlines freighter and then go pick up from the airport. It literally arrived with our vehicle. Mm-hmm. And most of those companies are fine with that um, within a certain weight limit because obviously they're charged by the pound by the carrier, yeah. such as barges and whatnot. So they don't want you to over uh, exert your vehicle in poundage because of the weight of the yeah. vehicle, which is how they're getting their rates. I didn't... Um... The gas, I mean, it's more expensive, but again, we're coming from Southern California where we were already spending about seven, eight bucks a gallon in gas back then because that's when it was really high. Yeah. So in that sense, it wasn't any different. I think the hotels, I mean, we didn't stay anywhere fancy just at the stops along the way. We had our dog with us. We had no problems. Correct. Getting reservations with the dog. 
I don't know. I think the hotels were like a hundred bucks a night. Like it wasn't. Yeah, and these weren't motel sixes. I mean, I hate to plug a, know, a low chain, but yeah. um, you know, it, it, it they were they decent were hotels. We felt completely safe. Mm-hmm. Um, on a funny, we did have one night where we. Uh, Would have picked a different we left place. a little too late. <laughs> no, we left a little too late, and we we were we were getting lower on gas than we wanted to, oh, and we pulled yeah. over. They do close early, so don't drive at night thinking there might be a gas station open because they might not be open, even and, if it's daylight out. Yeah, it was like <laughs> eight p.m., eight thirty, I think. And fortunately, the guy was still at the store, and yeah. he let us get gas and do all that. Very friendly. But yeah, other we than never that, ran into any of the. Yeah, it was unfriendly fine. people that you do hear about when you're researching these kind of things. Um, we did, um, well, you know, there was maybe one hotel that we would have picked differently, but you know, that was the choice that we made. There were other ones in town. Um, what, I don't remember uh, the what name happened of with this hotel? Yeah. It was just the uh, let's just say the pictures on the internet did not depict the actual environment. I grimy. think that they were probably pictures that had been on the website for ten years, and the room had been used for ten years uh, without any changes. So it was a little, and we're not prissy people by any you know way, shape, or form of the imagination. Um, but it was definitely one that I thought about not staying in ever again. Um, and it wasn't horrible. It just was, it felt a little dirty, um, and grimy and. Yeah. But what, what, what was nice about driving is you saw places where you're like, oh, we'd like to come back back and do this area, go a little east in Alaska, Glen Allen, Toke. Uh, we want to go down to Valdez. And so that's all kind of through where, well, not Valdez. Not Valdez. Valdez But I mean, that's a little finger off from Glen Allen. It is. Yeah, it is. So. And it would be we want to go back know, there. A few, a few bits of you know, so you see that type of stuff. You kind of see places you want to go back to. Right. Yeah. So in summary, what what tips would you give someone who's looking at driving the Alcan? Oh, do it. I mean, just in a like take your car to a mechanic and have them look it out like anything yeah. like if your belt needs to be replaced, like replace it. You know, you don't have to break do a down. Good car inspection. Yeah, but no, I would I would definitely say do it. In fact, uh, I still am on all those Facebook groups, and you see people, oh, we're doing this, and we're looking to have this moving company, and it's $50,000. And I mean, I would say get rid of a lot of stuff, yeah. move with as least amount as you need, and it's really not it's really not that big of a deal. And now that you can take your time if you want to, if you have the luxury of you know doing it longer, you don't have to do the 12 hour days. Yeah, we did the 12 hour days because we had to be within that time yeah. frame once we were in Canada. So we were really rushing through Canada to get to yeah. the Alaska border, which allowed us to take our time again. And then once you're on the Alcan in Alaska, um, that's where it was the bumpiest. I would it imagine was the bumpiest, but if you were in an RV, it would probably feel it would take a you lot longer, worse 100%. because the whole RV would. I know if we drove our RV up, it would have just been shaped, you know, banging around. Yeah. Anybody that owns an RV is going to understand that. The Alaska uh, side was worse right when you crossed the border. There were more potholes or frost heaves, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it's, again, it seems intimidating, but it's legit just a road trip. Like if you drive across country and you go 4,000 miles, it's the same thing. I, I compared the drive on the Alcan a lot to anybody in the lower 48 that might drive from, say, Southern California to Las Vegas. Multiply that by five for distance. 
which it's actually longer than that. But it's it's literally just one straight shot. At the time of year that we came up, we weren't worried about being stranded in the middle of the night because it was at least 16 hours of daylight. Oh, yeah, it was summer. (laughs) You know, there was no real issues with that at all. And all the things we had read was, you know, bring extra fuel because, you know, everything is so spread far apart. We passed so many gas stations that I looked at her several times and I was like, what are these people talking about? Like, there is no real... It might be worse. In, yeah, it. it might be worse in winter, but we didn't do it in winter, so I, I can't speak winter. to that. Yeah, yeah I, I really I wouldn't do that either. in winter. Yeah, if you can avoid it. Yeah, I know yeah. some people have done it, like in um, uh, February, March. Mm-hmm. I think I know somebody who did it in January. Oof. So, I mean, you do what you got to do, yeah. but definitely. Um, yeah. It makes for great podcasts. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. That I Coming can from Southern California, I'm a sissy lala in those driving conditions. <laughs> I have no idea how to do it. I ended up on a snowbank last month in the Jeep, literally like on the street outside my house. <laughs> like, and for guy. those that are listening, it's really not as bad as it sounds. No, but it was, I was just like, I don't know what to do. You and know? to speak to the kindness of, you know, what Alaskans yeah. typically bring. Uh, you had how many a, people stopped to ask nice, if you were okay? Two, a nice gentleman came and he tried to get me out and we couldn't get my Jeep out. And he drove back to his work, got his work truck and came back and pulled me out. And I'm sure that guy had other things to yeah. do. Oh, for sure. Southern California, you spin out. Everybody oh, points no at you stopping. as they drive by and no, nobody's, nobody's stopping. stopping. But people stopped. Yeah. yeah so it, they were real friendly. I was happy because he was flying that day yeah so he's up in the air flying and i'm yeah. like i don't know who to call i landed two i'm just hours sitting later there in my jeep at this <laughs> like crazy angle just like yeah. uh i don't know if i should get out of the car you know but it worked out yeah. but it makes me paranoid driving on icy roads i drive so slow when it's icy and then the second the roads get nice, I am back in my SoCal mode and yes. let's speed like crazy. Yeah. And I love it. I do honesty. think people in this state drive a little slow compared to like... <laughs> it's a slower pace of life. <laughs> so it, the compar- used, like, the comparison used, is the yeah. hustle and bustle you can imagine that there yeah. is in Southern California, right? Well, like anybody that has to drive an hour, you know, 25 miles and it takes them an hour and a half to two hours to go... You're losing four hours of your life a day sitting in your car going five miles an hour to just do what you need to do to make ends meet. Up here, there's an obvious slower pace of life. And with that comes the friendlier attitude of I don't have to worry about them because I got my own stuff on my own list to do. Um, There's been plenty of times a car gets stuck at at a red light. And I'm not trying to make out that the roads are not maintained. They are so well-maintained, but we had one of the worst winters I think we've had in 10 years, just based by statistic. And overnight, I think we got nearly two and a half feet or something something like that. In in two days, I think it was two and a half feet. They plow the roads. They're definitely clear, but you still have the occasional person in the low-riding Honda. Um, Not that I'm picking on anybody, but that's a style. It's not my style, but... um, you know, that would get hung up at a stoplight in a front-wheel drive car that, you know, the tires are just spinning. And everybody at the red light jumps out of their yeah, car no. and just runs over and starts pushing. Nobody has to ask. Nobody's flagging anybody down. You're not stuck in the middle of the intersection on your cell phone trying to wait for a yeah. tow truck. Everybody is helpful. And that was a huge reset for us. I mean, there are yeah. times that you don't want to get out of your car to help the guy in Southern California because you don't know how he might take it. 
Yeah. Does like, he think he's about to get robbed at the light? Who knows, right? So you just don't. It do might be a trap. But, yeah. <laughs> but definitely, when the highway's wide open up here, they still drive the speed limit, and that just feels so bizarre because even when the highway is not wide open in California, you're still going 85. Yeah. You know, and that's just. People don't do that up here, which yeah. I know that there's the animal, you know, you could hit a moose, moose or something. Yeah. So you do have to be careful about you that. You hit the homeless people in Southern California. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it, I will say they drive slow. Coming yeah. from California, people drive slow. That is the first time I have ever heard that. So oh, really? I guess that it's all about perspective. Yeah. No, like it is going from Anchorage to the Matsu Valley or, you know, either Fair. or like it. To me, it feels like Mad Max, like every oh, day. And that's <laughs> a perspective. I would close. tell you in a heartbeat, if you're ever in Southern California, jump on any highway and yeah. any car. And if you're not doing 85, you've got buses and big rigs passing you in the middle lane if you're going less than 70. Yeah. And that's in traffic. I mean, two to three car lengths. And it, it, it feels like watching a, a NASCAR event. You know, they're bumper to bumper at 200 miles an hour. And, you know, it, 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 it sounds insane. But when you grow up doing it, it's no more insane than waking up up here and finding a moose in your front yard. Yeah. You know, it that's a way of life up here in Southern California. That is a way of life. Do everything you can as fast as you can because you're wasting your life in a car in traffic. Yeah. So... I feel I, uh, like when I drive out to the Matsu, I have to put it on cruise control to keep me from going too, too fast. fast. And I'm like, it's usually like around 70... And I'm usually passing people, and I'm like, am I going too fast? Is there a cop up there? Am I going to, you know, like, what <laughs> am I missing? Do they know something yeah, I don't? Do they know yeah. something? Yeah, and exactly. It's like, no, they just, it's, it's, it's slower, it's a slower pace of life. Yeah. So we're still getting used to that, I think, a little bit. Yeah. 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 So now that you guys are living up here, you know, been up here for a couple mm-hmm. years at this point, is it about what you thought it was going to be, or have there been some real adjustments you had to make? Winter. I thought... Winter. Okay, so when it got real cold the last few weeks, that sucked. When it was like zero to negative 20 for like two or three weeks, which they say is not normal, so that's good. That part sucked, but... Well, that would have been our second winter. Our first winter was nowhere near as bad as this last one. I thought it would feel a lot colder. Like, I thought 10 degrees would be freezing, you know, and coming from California, I mean, 50 degrees, you're putting on sweatshirt, you're chilly, you know, 40 is just downright, oh my gosh. A guy like know? me would shiver in the summertime yeah. in the shade. I'd be putting a sweatshirt on. I'd get yeah. mad, you know, laughed at by my buddies. And, you know, even Nicole would pick on me sometimes. She's like, it's 75 degrees out. And I'm yeah. like, but there's a breeze and we're in the shade. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I've got no weight on me. But, so there's no insulation. So yeah. So last year I bought a jacket that like went to my ankles because mm-hmm. I thought I would need that. When I say last year, I guess I mean the summer before last year. Correct. I'm still, still in the last year is twenty twenty two, three. Twenty three. Well, yep. no, I know, but I'm thinking. Oh, that's she's the, thinking that's that the, the summer last, I'm thinking of. Which so is yeah, the so year a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago, uh, I was like, we got to get jackets, and so I bought this like long to my ankles jacket and thermal, you know, way, padded and thick. And... I mean, like when it was like really really cold, it's fine to wear that when I take my dog potty or whatever. But in terms of like around town, no, that's overkill. Like you can just get by in your regular jacket. If you're just going from your car to a building, it's fine. Uh, So I will, that was nice. Um, I really was expecting it to feel a lot colder. So the first winter was not as bad. 
And yes, the joke I made about shivering in 75 degree heat because, you know, we're getting that cool breeze down by the beach. No joke. I've always been one of those people that runs cold. I'm originally from the Pacific, not from the Pacific Northwest, from the Northeast. And I don't really remember, you know, to her point, we moved out here when I was three. I don't remember those winters. Um, I would go back and visit family occasionally in the wintertime, and it never seemed bad. It was new and different, I think, as a kid growing up, and I didn't really pay attention to the cold probably as much as I should have. I was more concerned about the winters up here. But just like anything, your Mm -hmm. body acclimates. Mm -hmm. So the first winter, even though it wasn't bad, did it have those days where I was bundled up in a jacket and wearing thermal socks to go get the mail? Absolutely. But what I've noticed, even with the colder temps this winter, which has been a much harsher winter in comparison with talking to people that have lived up here for several years, um, I'm not cold in 40 degrees without a jacket. My body has acclimated to the effect of this is the environment. No matter where you stand, your body's going to evolve to help you survive in whatever climate that you're in. No, again, negative temps. Yeah, the fingertips are going numb. Putting gloves on, layering up. Yeah. Um, That's too cold. I, I, any, can honestly, I think anywhere it's I, negative is too cold. It makes yeah. me like I would never want to move to Fairbanks because right. of that cold in the winter time. Right. That would be too much. Right. But it's, what's insane is like now when I see like the forecast and it's 20 degrees or I'm like, woohoo, this is warming up. This is nice weather. And never in my life did I think I would say that about that, like, 20 degrees. 38 the other day. Oh, it was, it was gorgeous. This is such a weird winter because we're it hitting is. so many, so many, lows so many records yeah. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. year. It's like the snowiest January, mm-hmm. February. It's right. the coldest February. Mm-hmm. And we just had like our hottest. Yeah, we just day had February three days. Too. Yes. Yeah. And then, like, we were just talking about this on the way in, like, the, the biggest wind gusts, like, on oh, record yes. at Ted yes. Stevens Airport. So, yeah. just hitting the records all over yeah. the place. Uh, they really are. And even at that rate, like I said, we live about five minutes from uh, Ted Stevens. I mean, I can see it from my front door. The planes take off over yeah. our house at 500 feet for any mm-hmm. aviation people out there. I mean, that's coming right off the runway. Um I will look at their weather, and it's gusting 30 to 50 miles an hour in these last storms, and literally us five minutes away and off the peninsula or the water's edge there, which the, the airport is, we're getting 10. It's a breeze. It's not horrible. I mean, with the exception of last night, but that was unusual for everybody, I think, in Alaska, um, at least in the southern half of Alaska. We were experiencing some really out-of-the-ordinary winds, um, and those were caused by a storm that's not even really going to hit here. Um, it was all pushed up from the south um, and yeah. has diverted itself. We didn't even get much snow from that, even though the temperatures yeah. dropped. It is nice that it's not that windy because uh, obviously the wind makes the cold just that much more miserable. It so it, it's the nice. The chill factor that is it, a real thing. It's not crazy windy in Anchorage. I mean, you get the occasional windy day here and there, sure. but it's not all the time. You know, California, we had the Santa Ana winds in the fall and it was just. Howling. month or two of non-stop winds you yeah. know and, and literally no exaggeration yeah. on the month or two i mean for a month or two yeah. straight you'd go outside and it was like getting sandblasted um yeah so it's not it's, it's really not that, that bad no. here um and then i think anything else that was different um i wasn't sure how we were going to do with the light and dark 
but not it's problem. not that bad. Uh, teach their even own the, that, it is, it is teach their own. But even, I mean, now, gosh, we've already gained so much daylight since the solstice. I feel like it comes and goes Quickly. so quick that it's not that bad. I love the midnight sun in the summer. I love the long days there in the summer. There is something about going on a hike at, at 1.30 midnight, in the morning yeah. that feels like high noon. Yeah. Uh, there's just something invigorating about that to a point. Um, a lot of people would call us crazy, but uh, it it if you haven't experienced Alaska, it's a lot like New York, right? It looks fascinating. It'd be fun to live there, you think. Go visit it. See if you like it. If you do, try to make that move. We vacationed up here, and that's how we knew that we were okay with making that transition. I would never tell anybody to just jump in both feet, sell the house, move everything up here and think that it's going to be an easy transition. A lot of it is in the preparedness that you go through to get yourself in that mindset, but also visit where you want to move. Mm -hmm. Know that it's a place that you want to go. Come up a couple different times of the year, experience a little bit of everything and know that you're going to make a wise choice. I think the ones that come up here with this, you know, as they say, the money signs in the eyes, right? You know, the glitz and the glamour of anything you know it's beautiful let's move there it's so wonderful and then they go through a first winter and they were not expecting nor planned for it to be what it was and i think that deters a lot of people from staying up here long term because they didn't go into it with that aspect of that things are going to be different i will say two winters ago because we didn't know what to expect and then that was a a heavier snow year i think they got a little over 100 inches so 30 mm -hmm. inches more than they normally get um or than the average i should say uh and it was like oh this isn't that bad because again i that's what i was most concerned with i wasn't sure if we were really gonna like it it's part of the reason we left our motor home down south because like hey if we don't like it up here we can still go Over back. Exit strategy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to move back home with my parents. At least we can like live in our motor home again, you know. And but it, it hasn't really been that bad this winter with the real extreme cold that we had. Um, that made me get a little more. We need to find something physical to do inside because we're just not that diehard where we're going to go outside when it's that cold. We, we tried and so we joined a pickleball league yeah. and so far we're enjoying that a lot yeah so uh, uh they got you guys they too, did huh? yes they, i they know did. i'm not gonna <laughs> I lie know. i was on the fence about I mean, it and it turns out it's, a pretty it's fun really game. fun it is um it's we, got everyone let's sweep in the nation it is, it is. you know a we, buddy of mine he got real into it and he kept posting about it for like the last couple years and I saw an ad for it up here, and I'm like, you know, we need to do something indoors because, again, when it was zero, negative five, we're not going outside. And and that's where we felt, I think, a little more cooped up, and that's where it was like, okay, let's find something to do. But, again, there's a lot to do even indoors up here, at least in Anchorage. I can't speak for the other cities. There's there's a, the best of both worlds. and There's a lot of indoors. Um, they literally have uh, the dome, which for anybody that might be listening to the podcast, you can Google the dome in Anchorage. And it's a sports venue with all kinds of indoor sporting mm -hmm. activities and an indoor track that you can use year-round regardless of the weather. Um, and it's enormous. 
Um, we tried skiing. We've never been skiers. Not uh, Worked that into it. No. Uh, we did snowshoeing and found out that we've we never done that, that, but we really enjoyed that, um, which is a great way to get the dog out in, yeah. in bad weather is, you know, make it fun for everybody and go explore a trail with some snowshoes, do something you don't normally do. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting into snow machining coming from Southern California with the dirt bike and quad desert riding mentality. Um, I feel like uh, snow machining, or for the lower 48 folks, I had to learn this one, snowbeels is what we call them down south. Um, Snow machining is what they call it up here. Um, And I'm really looking forward to getting into those aspects. Or, uh, you know, there's tons of the travel activities even year-round. For instance, you can rent a uh, side-by-side in Southern California and take it to the desert. You can rent quads and dirt bikes. In the wintertime, you can rent a snow machine and go on a snow machine tour with a guide and learn about that. Um, In the summertime, you can rent a quad. You can rent the dirt bikes and the side-by-sides up here and experience that in the summertime. And the really fascinating thing for me is, is that you can go in the summertime and go riding out in the wilderness here and see a frozen glacier that's as old as time versus getting sandblasted or covered in mud and, you know, everything else. I mean, you still well, you come still back dirty. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, yeah. it. we rode, I think it was four hours in one direction, and we yeah. were staring at a glacier the entire time, which happens to be the Nick Glacier when we first came up here on vacation. That was one of the excursions that we did. And that, to me, also helped me fall in love with this place. Yeah. All of a sudden, I had all this wide-open land right outside town that was easy to get to that everybody was enjoying and that you could do year round that was a big part of it and even the busy trails are nowhere near as busy as the busy trails in socal so even those feel pretty empty Yes. You know, from where we're coming from oh, yeah. on terms of that. The trails system's great up here. All the outdoor activities, the parks all around the city. Now that we're into Pickleball, we know about all the rec centers that the city has. And they're, it's all really good to get out and recreate. And we really like that in the city. That's one of the things that we always liked about um, Oregon and Washington was they had a lot of that type of recreation near the city. And yes. Anchorage has it tenfold. So, outstanding. So, in conclusion, then, um, what are kind of the big pros and cons for you guys? You know, as it relates to, we'll uh, we'll say just Alaska in general, but you can talk about Anchorage specifically if you'd like to. Uh, the pros for me, I mean, the summers are amazing. They're amazing. Uh, I love going camping with our dog. Um, just hiking, the trails, camping. hiking, even the paved trails are Amazing. so beautiful. Turnigan Arm is it's like so beautiful. It's one of my favorite places. I'll just go drive and walk my dog there. Um, the cons, uh, because it's a slower pace of life and because we're used to SoCal, I feel like the service up here can be a little slower people don't always get back to you or if they do it's two or three weeks later um we're doing some renovations on our condo and some of the prices we've gotten have just been outright insane you know we're not used to that being in southern california because there's so much labor down there uh so definitely on that front 
uh, I would say getting materials just up yeah. here too in general. Um, not to, not to plug it again, but working for Alaska Commercial Company, I am. I was very shocked. To, uh, for those that don't know, Alaska Commercial Company is a uh, grocery chain that uh, has uh, grocery stores in the rural uh, areas of Alaska. Uh, nothing in town. Um, uh, it, it's a company that's been around for nearly uh, 150 years, I believe. Um, looking at how everything has to get imported to the state, Valentine's was just uh, not too long ago. And I was shocked at the fact that there's no indoor greenhouses up here where they can grow these flowers. They were all barged in from Seattle growers, from growers in the lower 48. Most of the produce is that way, unless you get out into the valley and you make friends with some of the farmers that have their farm stands. But for the supply chain issues, you're paying a premium for almost everything in the state. And I will say that it's not a hefty premium on the product. It's the labor intensity difference. Um, there's five places in town. Now, there's more than that. But when you go and you go on Google and you look for, say, the top five people that you want to do work on your, your residence, maybe, right? You want to change your kitchen or your bathroom and you don't have time to do it yourself or the know-how. Um, you get those five quotes and you're a little shocked and surprised that they're all pretty well close to each other. But it's because they know they kind of control the market a little bit. Uh, plus, they're paying a premium to get those products here. Um, in our experience, we found that we can buy the materials for a lot less expense by going through your major chains, such as like your Home Depot or your Lowe's. But that's going to limit your selection and your materials because they're only bringing in the things that are working in the masses. If you want something that's a little bit more particular, you're going to pay a premium for that. If you want a different type of countertop, you're going to go to the stonemason in town and he's going to have all the options in the world for you but that's going to come at a price because he's the guy that's bringing it in and has chosen to say leverage his business on that and has in effect kind of cornered the market a bit and i don't mean to make it sound like it's horrible just don't be shocked that you're going to pay much more than you would expect in the lower 48 where everything is trucked from a warehouse a hundred miles down the road when it's taken three weeks to get a cabinet up here because it has to be brought in from the factory that is in the lower 48. Um, I would definitely, because you were talking about pricing and costs and stuff, a major plus, at least for Anchorage, is no sales tax. Yes. We love yes. that because where we were at, it was uh, pushing 9%. Yes. So And that was on top of the income tax, we which was going love, through. Yeah, yeah, no income tax statewide. That's awesome. Um, I know the property taxes are a little bit more in Anchorage. but They don't for equal our, what we were paying For our taxes. personal... Uh, situation because we downsized to a condo it's not that much money yeah. for us yeah. um it's it's not that i think our condo is two thousand dollars a year plus or minus in property taxes oh, which yeah. i think is going to go up every year that's the only thing that is the one thing california has prop 13 which caps Prevents you it. at the one percent that's a good one so other states should look into that but again I appreciate having no sales tax. It is so nice to buy something for $10 and it costs $10. Oh, yeah. Like, in fact, when I went back to California this past summer, it was like, oh my gosh, oh, I got to pay tax again. 
You know, like, oh man, it's not just ten bucks. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, we got lucky because we bought our car in Reno. I was just gonna touch on that. But that's a huge benefit it, for anybody. But that we can bought it when um, we were already moving up here, so Alaska was our address because we didn't have a house in California anymore. But set, set that up for those that may not know. If you're well, thinking of moving to Alaska and you're gonna buy a place, make the trip, buy the place first. We didn't pay sales tax on, on our car, car purchase yeah. because we had an Alaska residency and it's based on your residency. Yeah. We told them we don't have a residence in California. We bought it in Reno, Nevada, and the tax on that car, I don't even was know. Zero. What, well, well oh, what it would have what been. What it would have been. In California, it would have been um, 9%. Yeah, it would have been 9%. We showed them that our residency was California, or was uh, mm-hmm. Alaska, and that was our where we were registering the car, and we paid zero tax. All those fees are cheaper up here. Yeah from california you know the you get to register your car every two years instead of once Correct. every year um talk my, about the rate for your jeep my car for two years up here is way cheaper than what i paid for one year in california and my jeep's 20 years old you yeah. know and it was still pushing 200 bucks his car probably would have been a thousand bucks a year to register Easily. in Easily. california i've got a i've got a friend that's got a full-size dodge uh, pickup diesel it's a 3500 don't get me wrong um in southern california and he paid 1800 dollars to register his yeah. car almost every single year um where up here it, it's nowhere I, it's not even it's close, not even close, close. Yeah. and it's every two years yeah. not every year and they have the smog laws in a lot of the states in the lower 48 the carb emissions that not a lot of people up here know about because we don't have that um that require you to get a smog check on your vehicle and sometimes that repair outweighs not necessarily our vehicles but it would outweigh the idea of keeping said vehicle to do the repair just so you can register it and in at least in southern california if you don't have a registered vehicle the state is allowed to impound your car and leave you with nothing except fees on a daily basis that don't have a cap it's it it, it's almost shocking to understand that that uh they're able to do that but again different state and uh, we didn't really like the way California was going with a lot of those rules and laws and um, that was a, a, again a big part of us uh, getting it was not just leaving because of COVID or trying this place out we kind of had a 15-year plan and turned it into a 10-year plan because of situations that either allowed us to or forced our hand in moving sooner um, yeah. I, I personally haven't found any cons you don't like the cold. His car got stuck in the snow a few weeks ago, and he yeah. was so angry, and he was like, that's it, we're done. You know? <laughs> I think everybody then, in those... Everyone's got one of those. Everyone's yeah, um, and, I, and I will say that for anybody that might have AAA in the lower 48. It's it's AAA up here, but it's a completely different AAA. Um, they offer the same idea of things, but um, I'm not talking bad on AAA either. It's just one of those things that know what you're going to get into and that in a time of a snowstorm like we just had and in a smaller town, there's only so many tow companies and so many tow trucks and it may not be 30 minutes that you're waiting. It might be three or four hours. Fortunately enough, I was able to call my wife and she was able to come get me. We left the car overnight, met the tow truck in the morning, 
and he got us out in five minutes. It really was not a big deal. But at the time, when you're shoveling in negative temperatures, you're kind of cursing yeah, the was, decisions you've made. Yeah. Because when it's that cold, there is, it's not just your cold, there is a panic. Yeah. In There's a little head. bit of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and never mind that, the negative temperatures turned the soft snow that the car had sunk into. Every shovel just, that you dug it out, it rehardens to ice almost immediately. I mean, it was negative 10 that yeah, night. Yeah, it was. It was um, freezing. And it was negative 18 the night before. And you're so shoveling. It's and literally yeah. encased in concrete concrete in a matter of minutes and it does take uh, a tow truck with a winch system to pull your vehicle and break that uh, break that icy concrete from around the vehicle that was an experience um, I will definitely learn from that experience but again you know she says at that time yeah, it was that, definitely yeah. I'm done with this place <laughs> we're moving to the desert again I don't want to deal with this again but the following day it was like well that was kind of yeah, stupid calm down the yeah. weather was good I'm looking at sun it's still freezing up but it was gorgeous and it kind of reminded me of to why we chose to move here and the camaraderie again you know several people I've met up here you know I sent a text out on this mass text to some buddies that I've made friends with and I got four responses of hey I'll be there with a shovel. We'll pull you out. And I had to stop them from coming because I knew that that wasn't going to work. Um, but again, everybody was willing to jump in and lend a hand. Yeah. And that's that's the most you can ask for. Yeah, yeah. it really yeah. is. It really is. All right. Well, guys, this has been very helpful. So I do appreciate you kind of sharing your story and kind of your, your perspective and you know what your uh, what your thoughts on have been on Alaska. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. And um, everyone else, thanks for, for listening. And any questions about moving up here, feel free to reach out to me. Link is going to be in the description section down below. And we also have our monthly meetup group for those of you who are currently here. And you get a chance to, to meet folks like Nicole, Jason, and a whole bunch of other folks as well who are just enjoying Alaska, like, first couple of years here. So... I'll make sure you definitely take advantage of that. But thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.